Amen. This morning, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, eventually, we'll get there. Uh, we'll probably start here in, uh, in Matthew, a couple of scriptures in uh, chapter 9 and at the end of the book, chapter 28. Um, Philip, is Amanda here? There's Amanda. Hey, we need to clap. This was, uh, I call it Secretary's Day this last week, but it, what is it really? It's called Administrative Assistant. Amanda, let me just tell you, Amanda is our communication director at this church, all right? So let's clap for her. She, and also it was her birthday, it was all those on the same day. That's how good of a planner she is, that she just plans it all at the same time. I'm very thankful for everything she does at our church and uh, keeping things organized and going um, and getting the word out. If you don't get the text messages or the emails or um, whatever else she sends out, um, there's some stuff in, the, in that sheet that you get, that bulleted sheet. You could text message um, uh, the number and she'll add you to that to let you know if things are different or changing. You can get a text message or an email or, or lots of different things. Uh, also, the, the, uh, the giving, uh, we have a, a giving box over here. We have giving that you can do online as well. So those are your options for, uh, for giving this morning. Uh, over in uh, the book of Matthew, where we're going to start this morning, Jesus gives us a truth. And, and I want to start by just sharing um, about my little baseball team again. All right, I shared last week, and, and there are so many good sermon illustrations out on the ball field the younger they are, the more illustrations there are, all right? And so yesterday, we, we have a really good team, um, really great kids, really great, excellent coaching staff, all right? I'm on there. Uh, Rachel's helping us, uh, and uh, man, we, we have a good time with those kids. But, but yesterday, you know, you, you see this game take place, and, and you, you try to help the kids, it's not about winning, I mean, but that helps a little bit, like if you win. Like it, they always ask at the end, did we win? And I'm like, no, we lost, right? We, we didn't win today. Um, and they seem like they're happy with that. So I don't know how to, how to, how to coach through that. But we're, we're coaching them up. They're, you put them out there on the field. And when, when the ball is hit by the other team, you just hope that somehow you'll get a kid out, right? You just hope somehow... One of their kids runs the left field, and you can tag them out because they're, they're not running the right way. Something will happen where, where, where your players and their players will cross paths, and, you, and they'll remember to tag them. And so yesterday, we're playing the game, and, and in the middle of the game, you know, you, you, you're telling them, hey, throw it to this base or get it to that person. And at one time, okay, uh, everybody is facing the right way except for our first baseman, right? Our first baseman. He was facing the outfield, right? As a, and I look up and I, I say, hey, hey, are, what are you doing over there? Are you, are you watching the game? And he just looks at me with a big grin and says, uh-huh. You know, like, like yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm watching. The, I'm like, turn around, you know, watch what's going on. Watch the play coming. And then, you know, the ball comes flying over there and he's looking at his mom or, or, or whoever. That's just baseball with the, with the little kids. Sometimes you wonder that question. Do they even know that there's a game going on, right? And you're out there, and, you're, and no matter how hard you try and teach them the fundamentals, at the end of it, sometimes with the little kids' baseball, it's like they don't realize that there's a game taking place. They're just there for the fun 
in the juice box at the end of the game, right? They're just there because they're, they're in their uniform and they're just there. They don't realize that there's, a, there's an actual competition taking place. And when we look at the scripture this morning, it's not about a game when we see Jesus, Jesus and his command to us, okay? It's, it's more serious than a t-ball game. Jesus, when he, when he gives us uh, what we're about to read and this idea that we're about to, to, to look at about the job we're called to, to do and to be about as followers of Jesus, we need to understand this. We need to understand that there's a real game taking place, right? That we, that we are involved in this. We don't need to be like the, the little league where we're, we're, we're wandering away while everybody else or, or Jesus is calling us to something different, right? We need to understand that there's something real taking place. A couple of scriptures in, in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35. Matthew chapter 9 and 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me read that again and just think about our world right now that we live in and, and Jesus and this message that he has for our world today. When he saw the crowds, talking about Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest this this idea that the the, the harvest is plentiful and jesus's words here today for us as christians you're a follower of jesus listen to this very carefully jesus says that the harvest is plentiful that's true then, as he's about to send out the 72 and the disciples, right, to go and to take the good news and give them specific instruction about going from town to town, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. It's true then, it's true today. Here's, what, here's the first truth this morning for us as Christians. The harvest of the kingdom of God, the opportunities to share the love of Jesus, the gospel with people, the, the opportunities are there all around us. Amen? There are so many opportunities. We don't have to invent opportunities to share with, with people because guess what? They're all around us. Dave and Nori, man, going to the, to the ball field yesterday just to help out. They're going, and, and I'm so, so glad that they went because the only reason, or there might have been other reasons to go and to meet people, but they're going because they want to love on people. They want to they help out. There are opportunities upon opportunities upon opportunities all around your life and my life, according to what Jesus says, that, the, that the, there's many opportunities for the harvest, but the laborers, the people that will show up and do it, are few. And so what does he say here? The, fir the, the first part of this is, is, so, is so important for us. In, in the ESV, it's going to say... Um, it's going to say that, that, therefore, because the harvest is plentiful, and, but the laborers are few, therefore, pray earnestly, right? He says, pray earnestly that, to the Lord that, of the harvest to send out laborers 
into his harvest. Jesus' command there is, is for us, and that, that idea, that word pray there, pray earnestly, is, is going before the Lord almost with this attitude of, of begging the Lord to send out people to, for the harvest of God so that people will come to know him, so that people who are being harassed and are like sheep without a shepherd would find true meaning in their life. Pray earnestly. Let me ask you something, church, as we begin this morning. When was the last time you prayed earnestly before God that he would do a great work in our, in our world? Are we a people who, who take Jesus and we, and we take his teaching where he says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are, are few, therefore pray. Start with prayer. Church, we are called to be a, a people, not to just in passing pray about this, but that pray earnestly. That go before the Lord and say, God, would you, would you do a work? Would you send people to reach people? Would you send me to reach my neighbors and my friends and my family? That's the message that Jesus has for us as we start this morning. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers, are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Over in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says this at the end to his disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says here in his, in his, early, his earlier teaching there that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And at the end of his earthly ministry, after the resurrection to the disciples, he says, hey, you need to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to be about as people of God. Going and making disciples because the opportunities are all around us. Here's a couple of problems that pop up. Number one, the number one problem, or one, number one on my list this morning, is that people of God don't believe either the game has started or that we're actually in the game, right? We don't, we, we, we sometimes show up to this and we sometimes look at the kingdom of God and God's ministry and we, and we, we say to ourselves, well, you know, that applies to somebody else, right? Or that's somebody else's job. Or maybe somebody else will do that. We don't, <coughs> excuse me, we sometimes by our actions or inaction or our attitude or our self-centeredness, we say, well, this game doesn't really apply to me. Right? The game hasn't really started. It doesn't, Jesus didn't really mean it for me. It means something different for me today. As we look at what Jesus said here in the, in the Great Commission, and we look at his, his words to his disciples, we have to believe this morning that the game has started. That the game is going on. That the game is much greater than a t-ball game. Amen? We are in the game of this, this kingdom Thing that's taking place where people don't know Jesus and they're right around us we're part of that the people that you the people that you go to your kids go to school with the, your neighbors your family members all those people are not there by accident we're called to go and to make disciples of everybody around us right we're called to be disciple makers as followers of Jesus your workplace, you're called to be someone who brings the gospel. The game 
is going on. It has already started, and it's not a game that has no score at the end. It's a game with eternal consequences, right? We're talking about eternity here. Someone's salvation for eternity. The game has started. The, num- the first thing this morning, the problem that could pop up is that we don't believe that we're in the game or the game hasn't started yet. This last week, as I was reading the news and, and looking at some of the things that take place, there's a man from Egypt named Nabil, Nabil Salama. And Nabil is a Christian there in Egypt, and he was a part of a building campaign to build a church in his community. And he was abducted five or six months ago, and he was held ransom by this ISIS group. And this week, this a couple of days ago, he, 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 he was beaten up and he was killed because of his belief in Jesus Christ. And he was martyred for his faith. And as I read that, and I, th- I say, man, you know, for this guy and his family to go through this, I read some of the comments that his, his son had about this, about his strong faith. I think about this, I say, wow, you know, for that man standing with his life on the line this week, 2021, this is not years ago, this is, this is a couple of days ago in our world. He stood and he said, you know what, it's worth it for me to proclaim the name of Jesus no matter what happens, even if it costs me my life. And then I read those stories and I say, wow, you know, how many times do I say, well, this doesn't really apply to me or this doesn't apply to us or whatever, and we make excuses. And this guy, when it came down to it, he said, I don't care what you do to me. It says that they beat him up so much that he, all, all of his teeth got knocked out. And then he was killed for the sake of the name of Jesus because he would not take back the gospel. He stood on the gospel and he proclaimed the gospel and he was killed for the sake and the name of Jesus Christ. And I look at that and I say, wow, sometimes I feel like I'm playing a different game than that man went through. He went through a life or death situation and he chose Jesus over his own life. And let me tell you something about our world today. Jesus says that the more that we work in the kingdom, the more that we proclaim the name of Jesus, the more things are going to happen like that. And that no matter what happens, it's worth it because we're not fighting a, a flesh and blood battle, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And this man understood that in Egypt as he gave his life for the name of Jesus this week. We have to believe that the game has already started and that we're involved in in this kingdom war that takes place. That we would go and proclaim the name of Jesus. Number two, number two problem, sometimes we think that our job is not all that important. Sometimes I hear Christians say, well, you know, I know that, that we should be about the harvest, but, you know, I'm just, just one person. What can I really do? What is my job in this? And let me, let me read to you what, what Paul says. In Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about the church, and he says this, and he's, and he's talking about God. And he, gave the, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. He gave them, those people, to equip the saints, or the church, God's people, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature 
of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul says it like this, that the, that the role of the, of the leaders, right, the evangelists and the teachers and the preachers and the pastors is to equip God's people to be the body of Christ. The role of a pastor is not to just do all the things, all right? The role of, my role is not to be the lone ranger going into the harvest field to try to win people for Jesus. My job, the job of the leaders in the church is to help God's people be ministers of the gospel. Your job is important. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how good of a person you think you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a part of the things of God, of going and making the most of opportunities, of going and making disciples, proclaiming the name of Jesus. Nobody in God's family, in God's body of Christ, is supposed to be on the bench, right? Nobody's supposed to be on the sideline. We're supposed to be engaged in this. Sometimes I hear people say, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Let me tell you something. You're never going to know enough to share the gospel. You know why? Because, because you will always need to know more, right? You'll always have questions. But if God puts something, somebody in your path and you feel led by the Spirit and God opens the door to, to share your testimony with Him, then you need to do it. Then you need to open your mouth and let the Lord use you. And when you mess it up, guess what? You can say, hey, I kind of messed that up. Let's go back to God's Word and read it together, right? That's how good and patient the Lord is with us. That He uses us and He wants to use you. Sometimes people think that their job is not important I don't care what the Lord has called you to do, that job is important. Your role in the kingdom of God is important and vital. Paul uses an illustration in Ephesians talking about the body of Christ, right? And, and what would a body be without a foot? Or what would a body be without your hand, right? Or, or the eye. And the eye can't do the same thing the hand can do. And he uses this body illustration. But let me tell you this, right? I have never found somebody in the kingdom of God that I would describe as the appendix of the church, right? I, I, you don't, I don't know what the appendix does. I've asked doctors about that, and, and, and you always hear about the appendix just like rupturing and having to get taken out. God doesn't make spiritual appendixes that I know of, all right? All right? He, he, he makes hands and feet, and, and some, some people are very loud mouths of the gospel, right, of the, of the church, right, and ears, and I, everybody has a role, and it's a vital role, and no matter how small you think your part is, when you're not doing that in the kingdom of God, when God's given you a gift to use, and you don't do that, the body of Christ is missing out on your part. The kingdom of God, the, miss, the, the message and the mission of God is missing out when you're not using what God has given you to use for his glory and your good. You're missing out and the church is missing out because you think your job might be not that important and so you're just going to sit on the sideline. So what is our job? Let me give you a couple of things. What is our job? Number one, our job is to walk with Jesus and number two, our job is to bring hope everywhere we go. All right? Simply put, our job is to walk with Jesus and to bring the hope of Jesus with us everywhere that we go. You know, so I, I, we've been putting this building back together. And we had the guys come in and put the carpet down. And, 
And, you know, when the guys that showed up to do the carpet came in, let me tell you one thing that they didn't do. They didn't come in here to put the carpet down, and then they didn't go through the church and start cutting out sheetrock. All right, the guys that came to put the carpet down didn't go, come in with paintbrushes and start painting. The guys that came in to put the carpet down didn't come in here and start working on the air conditioner or go up on the roof. You know what the guys that, that came in to do the carpet did? They put the carpet down, all right? They put the carpet down. Our job, our role as, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand this. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of other things that you can put your time and energy and focus in. Our job is, is to walk with Jesus, to become more like him, right? But not just know more about Jesus in our mind, but let that, that knowledge, and as we get to know Jesus, it changes our heart, and then it changes our actions. So we're walking with Jesus, but also, if you look at Jesus' ministry, he never was like, hey, you guys just need to know all of this stuff, and then one day you'll get to do ministry, right? Look at, look at how Jesus walked with the disciples when they showed up and there wasn't enough food. What did he do, right? They come to him and they, with the problem, and they're saying, hey, Jesus, you went too long on your teaching. Now there's... 4,000. There's 5,000 people out here. Uh, we need to feed them. There's not a place to feed them. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, you give them something to eat, right? He says, you guys go feed them. And in that, he engages them. He involves the, the disciples in the miracle of feeding the 4,000 and the 5,000 people. That's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't want us to sit on the sideline and get distracted with other things. He wants us to be involved in his mission of making disciples and proclaiming the gospel to our world. That's the message that Jesus gives us in the Great Commission and when he says that the, the, labor, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Our job is to walk with Jesus and our mind and heart focused on things of heaven. Over in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I want to walk through a little bit of this text this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says it like this. He says, so <clears throat> if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. All right, so this is the, this, when, when you read things like this in the Bible, he says, so if you have been raised with Christ, so what that means is, so if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, this is for you. This morning, if you have not yet turned your life to Jesus, take note of what's going on here. But the thing for you this morning would be to turn your life to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus first. If you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. When he says there, seek the things above, folks, we need to be about that. If you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be seeking the things of the earth, but the things of God. Seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, change your thinking, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, all right, because we're walking, we're putting our, our mind on things above, because we're walking with Jesus, we, we're seeking things of the heavenly realm, verse 5 says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly 
nature. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. That means all the things, all the distractions, all the things that don't bring God glory. And he lists off many of those things today. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. All right, talking about your old before Christ time of your testimony. But now, put away all of the following. He lists off a couple of things this morning. When you, when you read this list, think about, have you put these things away as a follower of Jesus? Put away all the following. Anger. And we probably need to stop there and do a whole message on anger, right? Put those things away. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self. Those are all things of the sinful nature. Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. All right, I'm going to stop there. You are a a new person in Jesus. He says, put away all of those things of the world, all those distractions, because you've got work to do. Our work is not to come and to be like the rest of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you and I, because of our faith in Jesus, are called to be different in this world. Did you know that? That we're not called to look just like the world. You shouldn't look like people who don't know Jesus. We should look differently in the world, right? When you are confronted to be angry, right? When something makes you angry, your anger should look different than the anger of somebody who doesn't know Jesus, right? When you approach business and we approach making money, our making money should look different than the world's view of making money, right? We, we carry with us being a Christian businessman or businesswoman. It goes on in, a, in Colossians, if you read it, even identifies the way we do marriage should look different than the world. Probably now more than ever in our world. Our marriages, men and women, are the way that we respect, the way that we honor one another, the way that we're committed to one another, the way that we talk about one another to, to each other, and then also to other people should be different than the world does marriage. That's what we're called to be. We're called to put away the old self. Verse 12, he goes on. He says, therefore, because we're different, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on, these are some things that we should have, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Man, forgiving one another, right? The way we forgive each other as followers of Jesus should be different than the way the world forgives each other. We should be different people. Just as the Lord has forgiven you so that you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. And all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, 
It doesn't matter what you're doing as a follower of Jesus. You're called to do in the name of Jesus, right? So that means this. We're not called to go out and to sin against God because you can't sin in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. When we go to work, when we're at home, we do that for the glory of God. Our job is to walk with Jesus, set our mind and hearts on the things of heaven, and to bring hope everywhere we go. You know, one of my prayers for our church is that we would be known as a people who are about a couple of things. One of those is that we'd be known as a, as a church that's about life, right? And a church that is, a, that is the, the light to our community. And a church that is known as being the hope to the people around us. You know, that's the great thing about the gospel is everywhere Jesus shows up, he brings hope to people. When we're on this, this journey with the Lord, and we're in the game, and we're walking, in, and we see that the harvest is plentiful. Let me tell you what the harvest is plentiful for. Hope. There are so many hopeless people around you. Open your eyes and look. There's, there's neighbors that you have. There's friends that you have. And they might look like everything's fine, but when you really talk to them, you know that there's something missing in their life. That you, you know that their hope is on their stock portfolio. And you know that as soon as that goes away, they're going to be left with nothing, and they're going to be empty. Or you know that, they're, that they're, they're, their life is built on their kids and the success of their kids and one bad decision from their kids, and it doesn't work out right. They're hopeless. There are people around you and around me that need hope. As a believer of Jesus, you can reach people. You personally can reach people that nobody else can reach. I truly believe that, that there are people in your life and, and, and they're around you, there are people right around you that only you can reach them and only you can reach them in a way that nobody else can reach them. There are people around your life and my, and my life that, that we are called to reach and we're equipped to reach and that you can only reach. And you can only reach them in a way that nobody else can reach them. Think about a couple of things as I wrap up this morning. First of all, the place that you work, right? The place that you work. Think about where you go and you make a living. There are people that you cross paths with because um, I work at a church, okay? So I would say maybe the church staff is, is a little different in this, but you're going to go to a job and there's going to be all kinds of people around you. And those are all opportunities for you to bring the hope of Jesus with you, right? There are people, they if you said, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? You're thinking about that, how that conversation would end, right? And, and what the words that would come out of their mouth. There are people around you at your workplace that only you can bring the hope of Jesus to. Are you going to get to preach a sermon to them? Probably not, right? But the way that you're different, the way that you get angry, and the way that they get angry is so different that, that at some point they're going to say, man, you know, you seem a lot happier in life, and I'm stressed out about all these things. Or the same thing's going to happen to both of you, and you're going to handle it in a different way. They're, they're watching, and they're looking, and, and, and Jesus has given you that opportunity to bring hope in that situation to that person. The people that you work with, it doesn't matter if it's your, your, your boss, or maybe you're the boss, and it's your employees, or maybe your coworker. Those are people that you're called to, to minister to as a follower of Jesus. What about your, your home, Right? We're about where you live, your literal neighbors. You know, there's studies done that, that 
we don't know our neighbors anymore as, as, as people, all right? Now, like, like if you look back 20 or 30 years ago, the way that we knew our neighbors and knew what was going on with them and took care of one another is much different than today. There's probably somebody on your street that you probably don't even know their name of, right? And you're like, man, I should get to know that person. You should. God's literally put you there to, to, to know your neighbors and to love them and to share them the hope of Jesus with that person. What about in your school? You know, there's no, um, there's no, there, there, it, it just didn't happen that your kids go to school with these other families. God placed your kid in that, in that class and you go and you help out with those other parents so that you can be the hope of Jesus to those other parents. We have some teachers here. Teachers, God gave you those kids and you said, well, I would have chosen other kids for my class, right? God gave you those kids and those families for this year. As you approach being a teacher or a coach or, or going to school and, uh, and being an administrator, God has given you that opportunity. And even though you might not get up and give a sermon, man, you get an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with people. As we go down the list here, our community. And there, there are people in this room where you know so many people in our community. And, and you, you talk to these people, and if I walked up to them and I said, hey, can I have five minutes to share Jesus with you? They would just, <laughs> they wouldn't have anything to do with me. But if you go up to them and, you, and you're talking to them because you're already, you, have, you have a relationship with them and, you, and, you, and, and God puts on your heart an opportunity to pray for them or to tell them, hey, I've been praying for you. Or they ask a question and instead of responding as, as the rest of the world does, you respond with a Jesus-focused answer. And you say, well, you know, let me share with you how I look at it because of my faith in Jesus. The Lord gives us opportunities. The harvest is plentiful in our community. There are people in our community that only you can reach, and I really believe that. As followers of Jesus, there's somebody in our community that only you are really going to spiritually connect with. And lastly, our families. You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about families, and families, man, our families, every family is so different, isn't it? Right? And you're thinking right now, well, man, my family is different, way different than anybody else's family. Every family is weird, okay? Can we just acknowledge that? I got my parents here today and my mother-in-law, all right? We're all, every family is different. And, and I think God gives us families. You know why? Because there's people in your family that you never would have chosen to be in your family, right? If you had a long list of people and you say, okay, why don't you pick out the 10 cousins you want? you got cousins that aren't even in the top 20 of the list, right? Don't you think God gives us cousins and aunts and uncles and extended family so that, so that, that we, we got an opportunity to share with them, right? And I look at some of the people in my family and I say, man, if, it, if we weren't related, I would never talk to this person. If, 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 we, were, if we didn't have this connection way down the line, I w they would never give me the time of day. But family, folks, listen, family is something God has given us to make the most of. And I don't, I don't think that you need to, to turn your family reunion into a revival service unless the Lord leads you to do that, okay? But I do, I do know this. We ought to be praying for our extended family. You got an aunt or uncle or somebody in your family, a kid, a grandkid that doesn't know the Lord, man, you ought to specifically 
urgently be going before the Lord on a regular basis praying for them and saying, Lord, may they see the light of Jesus. May they see the hope of Jesus. And even if it's not you that gets to share with them, you get to be a part of it because you've been praying and begging the Lord to save them. This morning, the bringing of hope to the world is what we're called to be. And this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with this. If you're here today and you look at your, your life and you say, man, I need some hope in my life. And you're honest with yourself and you say, I don't, I don't believe that Jesus really is the true hope of my life. I put my hope in a lot of things, but it's not in Jesus alone. This morning, as we sing this last song, Philip is, is coming up, right, Philip? He's on his way. As we sing this last song, I'm here at the front, and I would love to just pray with you about putting your hope in Jesus today. You know, when you put your hope in Jesus, it's, it's very simple. You go to Jesus, and you say, you just, you just go to the Lord, and you say, God, I, I need some help in my life. I'm, I'm trying to do this, or I put my hope in this, and there's, a, there's an empty spot. And as we sing this last song, if that's you this morning, I, I encourage you to have courage to come and just pray with me this morning. Maybe this morning you need to go to the Lord and you need to say, God, I need to bring this kind of hope to the people around me. And then lastly, I believe this, as you're sitting here today, there's probably somebody on your mind that God's brought on your, on your mind and on your heart this morning that doesn't know him personally. As we sing this last song, if that's you this morning, may the Lord continue to burden you with that person's name and their face. And then may, may God instill in you a, a pattern and it may start today where you just commit to pray for that person. Let me tell you something that happens when you pray for people. You begin to care for them. You begin to see how to love them. You begin when they have a bad day and you're praying for them or they're going through a tough situation, it begins to burden you. And you become a good minister of the gospel and you share the hope of Jesus with them in a way that they are ready to receive it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and your hope this morning, Jesus, and allowing us to be in this world where the harvest is plentiful. Sometimes we need to open our eyes. Today, Lord, I pray as a church we'd open our eyes. And we'd say, wow, there are so many opportunities all around us. There are so many people that just need a conversation or a prayer. Lord, today I pray that you would burden every believer in here with somebody that we can be praying intentionally for, and that you would open up those doors and prepare those hearts for the hope of Jesus. Even this week, Lord, I pray that there's somebody in here, and as they pray for that name today on Sunday, this week during, during the work week, or one of the evenings, or as their paths cross, that you would have that person be responsive to the hope of Jesus. And that they would give their life to Jesus because of somebody in here and them stepping up to the plate and saying, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to show up and to work for the name of Jesus. And for that person in here today, Lord, who needs to turn their hope to you, give them courage to, to visit with me today, to visit with somebody today about what it means to put their hope in Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last song?